Welcome to Broadcast Interrupted. This is part 2 of our conversation with Hana Shasna. If you haven't already heard part 1 of our conversation with Hana Shasna, it's already streaming on all our audio and video streaming platforms such as Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. and a few others. Follow us on Instagram at broadcast.interrupted for links and updates on our upcoming conversations. See you on the other side. Es ist ein Ort, der heißt überall und nirgends. Es ist ein Ort, der heißt überall und nirgends. Die Zeit ist nicht heute, die Zeit ist überhaupt nicht mehr. Die Zeit ist nicht heute, die Zeit ist überhaupt nicht mehr. Denn es könnte gestern gewesen sein, lange her gewesen sein. Es kann wieder sein, immer zu sein. Denn es könnte gestern gewesen sein. Lange her gewesen sein. Es kann wieder sein. Immer zu sein. Es wird einiges nie gewesen sein. Can you describe Halig Blue? That was in 2018. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about it? I mean, of course, we've seen the trailers countless number of times and <laughs> it always cracks me up but yeah, i regret not like I, i i think i've told you so many times by now that yeah. we should just do it again yeah you're not the only one actually so many people tell me you should do that piece again because um yeah it was really it was an amazing work and it was like let's say it was um uh different <laughs> I need to say it like that because I I don't think that everybody loves it like I do or you do or you do but most of the people really liked it a lot because it was so so cynical mm-hmm. and so formal mm-hmm. but in its form really really funny mm-hmm. and we decided not to play it anymore because actually the text is not really famous it was based on a text of a really great author her name is Gisela Elsner mm-hmm. the piece's name was heilig blut and well the first 10 20 or not 10 12 shows it worked like there was a munsumun propaganda you know that people talking you need to watch that piece and after like 12 shows you need a name and okay. we had 12 shows but not the name and that's why after 12 shows we decided okay it's a lot of um, a lot of uh, work to set the stage up mm-hmm. and there are no people coming so the audience could could watch themselves watching themselves and watching the piece and the performers were so close they really were like 20 centimeters away from the people sitting there and the people were sitting there on wooden banks okay uncomfortable situation <laughs> and uh, uh, i guess like the piece took like two hours yeah. and it was hard 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 two hours i need to say that but we wanted that we wanted the people to sit there and feel not comfortable because the people the audience were like the fourth figure because actually there are four figures in mm-hmm. the in the book mm-hmm. and we had three performers and the three performers were like old nazis and there's the fourth figure that's the the son of one old nazi who is not there in that piece and the audience was like um was set up like that fourth figure 
Okay. So that's why they needed to be so close. But there was also a fifth figure, no? The house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I would like to think that way. I'm pretty sure you and Andy would like to think that yeah. way. The house. It was the first piece I rehearsed where I said, like, I can't rehearse without the stage. Normally, there's that situation that okay. you rehearse in rehearsal rooms mm -hmm. and you have something like the stage, you know, like a citation of the stage. So, you know, uh, yeah. but that was the first piece that when we, the stage designer Hannah von Eif and me uh, talked about the setup, I was like, okay, I'm so sorry, we need to find a room where we can put the house in to <laughs> rehearse because I can't rehearse a piece without the stage because all that um, empty spaces between the, uh, well, the empty parts in the house yeah. were so important to direct the piece because I, I used it a little bit like film cuts, you know, like okay. you had, uh, you have wood and then you have nothing in between mm -hmm. the next wood. And um, that nothing in between was like a frame for pictures. So okay. the pictures could be rearranged behind the wood. Okay. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like okay. that. And with pictures, I mean like performers. Yeah, okay. who are the image basically. Yeah, the images. image of. Yeah. So they get to hide behind the, uh, the house when they want to, and then they appear in those gaps which you kind of create yes. over there. Okay, and so I would like, I just want to jog back a little and know, so you said the book Heilige, Heilige Blut is from Gisela Eisner. Eisner. Gisela Eisner. Gisela Eisner. How did you choose this script then? What goes into choosing one? Okay, well, in that case, it's really a nice story because um, the dramaturg and uh, musician of that project um, yeah. is a friend of mine. Her name is Sylvia Necker. Mm -hmm. And we did a piece before. And that piece that we did before was called Sie Heil, Hitler, wie sie keiner kennt. It was a piece about women becoming Alice Weidel or Hitler. Like women, uh, okay. like actually the story was about two actresses who said we want to play Hitler. Like that okay. seems to be like fun. <laughs> and then after they decided to do that, they are getting closer into the identity of Hitler. Yeah. And not just the identity, but also the thoughts and the mindset of Hitler. And that was a piece that Sylvia and me did together. And she knew what I liked after that. And mm -hmm. then she came with the book and she said, Hannah, here, do you know who's Lyelson? And I was like, no, who the fuck is she? Who is she? And she was like, you will love it. Read it. And if you love it, we will do that together. Okay. So that but happened. This, this book, is it, is it a comedy? Like how Gisela uh, Elson has uh, written it or... It's um, grotesque, I would mm. say. Okay. It's cynical humor, and yeah. the structure of her language makes everything really, really funny because she's having sentences like half over a, a page. Okay. <laughs> and she's referring to the beginning of sentences somewhere in the middle and then going back again. Okay. And she's <laughs> like having that distance perspective on these people okay. that she's writing about and these people are so simple based okay. and she's creating the idea that behind this simple based mindset is more okay. even though she's just telling the simple basis of the mindset and that's okay. how she like criticizes those Nazi figures. Okay. Kind of ah okay, she so keeps referring the her own self or sort sort of this dialogue that you said she keeps going back to the first line and keeps coming back. So she keeps doing this constantly to bring this 
aspect that you just mentioned out. I think so. That's how I read her. And okay. She's not really, um, not really famous. Not a lot of people know her, and I even didn't know her before. Mm. But um, I read that novel, and then I read a lot of other of her novels, and mm -hmm. I would say she is. Yeah, she's one of the best authors I read, but the problem is that it's not consumable how she's writing because the structure is so complicated and that, uh, language as material. She loves it. I guess she's addicted to, to material, to structure, and the 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 quality of language. Of quality of no. So this is very interesting because what this brings me to kind of understand is that the you made a book by an author as you mentioned whose writing may or may not be so consumable so the experience of reading it itself is not so consumable right mm. or there's no access to sort of that aspect of it so you adapt something uh, the, you adapted that book and made it up into a play, which, as we now keep discussing, many people wanted to even come back. So you suddenly use another medium to provide access to something that may have not been so easily accessible uh, otherwise. Yeah, but I need to say it was really, really important for me also that the theatre production is not so accessible. I need to say it, I wanted to dedicate that piece also to the author who wrote the yeah, novel. Right. That's yeah, why yeah. Um, I decided, for example, not to have a simple figure structure in the piece. I uh, left the sentences like they were. I didn't make okay. like from the novel structure, I didn't write a dramatic piece out of it. Yeah. I left I, I the... Um, yeah, the novel structure, and I just spread the novel on three performers. Okay. And, like, telling is next to speaking in that piece that we made out of the novel. Okay. So, are, were there any more sort of key adaptations that you made in this translation? So, one device that you used is to spread the text as is, amongst the three characters. What were the other things that you did when you kind of adapted this play into? I guess the material fetish mm -hmm. that is referred to in the in the novel is really seen in the piece because we're working with a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. We're having glasses and we're having nails and we're having hammers and we're having beans and we're having lollipops and we're having uh, fur, fur yeah, yeah. and we're having wool and we're having hair and all that material that she describes in her novel with these Men really are freaked out with eating beans and eating sausages <laughs> wow, and eating and eating yeah. and eating. And that's why I try to um, work with material yeah. in the piece, but um, separate it from its original meaning. So, okay. for example, we had beans, but they didn't play with it as beans. They played with it as snow for example. Okay. But you saw, you heard them talking about beans and you saw beans on stage, uh -huh. but they used it as something else. And that was some kind of how I... So it's sort of auditory versus visual disconnect uh, <clears throat> within that scene. That is how you change the, the meaning of what the, or the symbol behind what the object yeah, You mean like, because uh, the the disconnect is basically that the text and the language structure is dry, mm -hmm. but at the same time, the visual information is really, really rich. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah. get it. Now, this also reminds me of the Chekhov's gun principle, where, they, where every element that is there 
in the play must be there if it has a role to play. Otherwise, it should not be kept anywhere on the stage unless it kind of... I mean, every element is a sort of character in itself playing its role, so... Yeah, that's something, I guess, that's my... Do you follow my, that? Yes, I totally follow that. Okay. okay. I don't like uh, stages where stuff is that is not used and okay. it doesn't mean something that's... I'm not trying to build like a, a film set on stage where something is just there to make uh, a picture. I know that audience has so much power to create these pictures without me showing it to them. Mm -hmm. And that's why for me everything that is on the stage mm -hmm. needs to be played with. Okay. And that means, for example, in Heiligblut there was a gun. They never touched it, but they always watched it. They always looked at it, you know, and they were always focusing it. And that means like they are playing with it. And also in, in Kleine Leute, there was a large uh, row of books. Okay. And in some moment you thought like, okay, it's just like a metaphor for like knowledge. But for me, it was quite sure, okay, it is that metaphor for knowledge, but also I want the actress to play with it. So use it as material. And that's why I, I thought about, okay, I want that, how could I do that? Okay, and then there was that scene where she's climbing into that yeah. wall of uh, mm -hmm. books and spreading the, like, destroying the books, pushing it away, the books, and she's like buried under books then. So everything on stage is material to play with. And it has to be played with. That's me. There are yeah, so many yeah. people who think they're different, but that's me. Yeah, okay. And then, I want to just that way. I, I want to just add something. You don't do it as, let's say, the principle in itself sounds really rigid. No, like Chekhov's gun. You have it in the on the stage, or if you mentioned it in your first uh, paragraph in the book, by the end of the chapter, you have to shoot it or something. It sounds really rigid. But I remember, Klein Leute, we had uh, the stage was full of pieces of paper that looked like they were just scattered and thrown around but it was kind of specific that the actor that the angel would go and pick it up pick certain pieces up and then I remember these awesome he would throw it and watch <laughs> yeah. it like go as if it was, yeah. you know, something sort of divine. That it was a story. He had to throw it a certain way too. And that, that to me makes it like, in case people think uh, that it's very rigid to have such a principle, I just wanted to add that while you do it the way you do it, it's, it's always not as rigid as it may sound. It always was very sort of difficult to understand, like nobody could see, a f I, I couldn't see something on one of your stages and go, oh, there's a gun, or oh, those books, hmm. but there are two actors and 250 books, <laughs> but it turns out they actually use 80% of them, <laughs> yeah. and in so many different ways, because the girl, at some point, I think she's the director, mm. the character of the director, at some point, she begins selecting books as yeah. if it's a library. She's like, yeah. yeah, this is important. And then she goes, yeah. wait, what is this one? Yeah. Ah, yeah, I need this too. And she just rearranges the shelf for a while while she's speaking. And yeah, like, yeah. like unconsciously, she's starting to um, rearrange it as like, that's her inner structure. I need to do something, okay, I rearrange books. Mm-hmm.
I would like to talk a little bit about the details of the house. So, <laughs> like everything. Let's talk about architecture. <laughs> yeah, a little bit about the paint that you put on the wall, the the house itself, the windows. How did you start, kind of, choreographing that or designing that entire space? Oh, I wish that the stage designer could talk about that. Her name is Hannah von Eif, and she's a brilliant stage designer. And um, I came to her with the idea, let's build a house. And she was like, <laughs> great, yeah, let's build a house. And then I was I was sure about two things, that I wanted it to be out of wood and okay. that I wanted it to have no rooftop. Mm-hmm. And for me, for the first time, I thought about the house um, as really a closed house mm-hmm. with no in-between spaces. Okay. And then um, Hannah started to design or like figure out and she was like, okay, to be true, we have a um, storage problem with your idea. Okay. (laughs) And we need to think about something else. So function came out of need. (laughs) So she was like saying, okay, um, if we do it like that, I can build it at um, my place. Also, otherwise I can't build it at my place. And let's see it like that, that the house itself is more like um, the symbol for a house itself. And then we watched, I guess we watched together Lars von Trier Dogma. Okay. Yeah. And where, and I love that stage. I love that idea. And I want to make a piece with that idea once. I will do it. I know it, but... Wait, you're talking about dogma? I don't know. Not dogma. Ah, the one with... Doghouse? Um, no. Do- Dogwill. No, no. Dogwill. Dogwill. Dog dog yeah, the yeah. one where the frame is just... Uh, the plan. Lines. ...as an idea on, yeah. the, on, the, on the floor. And yes. I, I love that idea. It's so <laughs> yeah. good. And also the idea that everything is... What is behind is happening. Also that idea. And yeah. so we started to invent, uh, Hannah invent, like created the concept for the house. And I was like, for the first time I was, me, 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 I want the house. And then I saw the, <laughs> then I saw the script or like the, the uh, <laughs> architectural uh, concept. And I was like, oh, that can be so good. That can be so good because then I can like also direct the outside. And then all my concepts changed again. And then um, she built the house and she built like these different parts. I guess it were eight parts. Okay. Which co- were connectable um, through like sticks on top. Okay. 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 And like braces. So that some braces all, and some frames. All it will yeah. like be... Uh, safe so and then she that's hannah she's like she's like loving details and she that's so so brilliant about her she loves really small things and really huge things she always likes to uh, change the picture of normality normal normal normality normality. that's why she asked me like what do you think we do a window inside the house and I was like, oh, I liked it because I can direct with it. And she was like, what do you think we do a really small window? And I was like, okay, we can work with that. And then I said like, but let's do it somewhere where the people can't reach it normally. So okay. she designed that window that was much too high. So it could not be used as a window. But we used it as a window. But everything, every time we used it as a window, the people needed to climb up. Climb up. And then... Also, I had the idea that it might be funny to have one of those in-between parts, which is much smaller than the others. And she was like, okay, I will design something that you can small that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, and I want that because I think it could be so funny if (laughs) they have a lot of doors where they could leave the house, but they are always using that, which is too small. (laughs) The smallest one. The smallest one. And then I... That was my main door. And it was so funny because also repetition is a really interesting 
element in theater because repetition is yeah. like creating um, humor and uh, like involves the audience because they know what will happen. And I directed a lot of parts where the three of them tried to leave the house through that small in-between space <laughs> at the same time. And that happens like four or five times. And it's always the same. And you see these guys, they are just not coming out of their mindset. Yeah. And they're always trying it. I go there. <laughs> Two, I'm the first. Yeah. And then we put the house in the... <laughs> it was so funny. In the rehearsal room. And the rehearsal room was as huge as the house. And really, the house was set in there, and then there was so much, distance <laughs> so behind. much distance to the wall, and I was like, hmm, "Okay, we will rehearse everything around when we're in the original uh, theater." And while it was in the rehearsal room, the house was in the natural um, color that we bought or mm -hmm. collected together—the wooden parts. And Hannah, she said something like, I want it to be darker. But for me, I was like, I don't know. No, maybe we just leave it like that. Maybe we leave it like that. Um, we just bought it from Obi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm so happy that she convinced me not to leave it like that. Because actually also, like, I was a bit afraid that the dark brown of the house makes the contrast mm -hmm. um, to the costumes that the, the performers costumes. wear. The fair and yeah. the leather, all is dark brown, you know. And when also the house is dark brown, I was a bit afraid that um, they are not visible anymore. Okay. Like they could like make camouflage yeah. in their own setting. And Hannah said like, yeah, but that's the best thing you can have. Like yeah. <laughs> the the house is the camouflage yeah, it, version of they the disappear. costumes. <laughs> they can disappear. Yeah. And I was like, okay, then let's do it like that. She wants it and I trust her and it was a really good decision. But the only <laughs> thing I was like wishing that the part of the house where the gun was would mm -hmm. be not as dark. So the focus on the gun could be um, uh, stressed on. No, and that's yeah. why she was then she had the idea to make like a holy circle around the gun. So the gun was in a, in an edge. Okay. And the gun was here, you know. Yeah. And she made it like a kind like, of a graphic. Yeah, uh, like a graphic okay. around the gun. Looks a little bit like Holy Maria, for example. They are like. Christian pictures Aura, of yeah. um, Maria or Jesus, like where those um, sun... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aura, yeah. A halo, yeah, yeah. A halo yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Basically using light to sort of frame... Uh, yeah, and that's what we did with the gun there. It sounds like you, Hannah and Hannah, <laughs> put... Like you guys, I mean, when you describe your sort of... The way you worked with her... It seems like you were super comfortable and you guys were almost on board and, you know, even taking each other's suggestions and things were changing and getting better as it went forward. I just want to know, how do you choose or how do you know that, yes, this is someone I can work with or I can... She just makes them work with her, <laughs> all right? No, I... Well... I get to know people and when I'm getting along with them really well, mm -hmm. I ask them if they want to be in that or that position in the piece. And Hannah, I knew she was a director's assistant before in a piece where I was a dramaturg. And there I got to know her and she started to study stage design in that um, time. Okay. And I asked her, hey, I like you a lot. And we felt comfortable to each other. And we spoke the same language when it comes to theater. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked her. And actually, it's like that. I get to know people from other productions. And then I, <laughs> <laughs> you <poach> I them. <laughs> take them with me. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> uh, and some, when it comes to actors, sometimes it's different. And sometimes actors, for example, come to me after they see a piece. Mm. They come to me and say, hey, I like your work. I would be happy to work with you once. Fichte. 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 Noch eine Fichte. Eine Douglas-Tanne. Kiefer. 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 Tanne. Eine Lerche. Kiefer. Noch eine Kiefer. Tanne. Noch eine Kiefer. Fichte. Kiefer. Eine Fichte. Tanne. Eine Zwergkiefer. For me, it was horrible. To sit in the house <laughs> while showing, but still the, you put your audience right in there. Yeah, no, I <laughs> sit maybe here and learn about the Nazis. <laughs> no, maybe do it. Maybe that is an answer on a question that you had before to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was just horrible to watch people watching my work. I could not stand it. I really could not stand it. I was there once. Because Sylvia, the dramaturg, said, come, come with me. Because the premiere I watched from above. We have like a, a position in the theater where... Um, This was in Landungsbrück. Yeah, in Landungsbrück, yeah. where you can hide from the audience. And ah, okay. I was there with Hannah, the dramaturg, uh, the stage designer. And we hold hands while the premiere. And Sylvia was in the house. And I guess on the third or fourth show there was a space free and she said come let's sit in there and i was like i couldn't stand it because i was so nervous that i could feel like they are hating it uh, you thought the audience was hating it when it was going on yeah i always But i think you're what you're actually talking about is you did you you built the the play in a way with the house with the direction around it because we're talking about a house that is on a stage in a house which has produced <laughs> a kind of a backstage which is not a backstage if i'm getting this right because the people leave the house which technically means they're still on the stage <laughs> but this time the audience is sitting inside the house yeah so what is the backstage is the stage. The audience is on the stage. And whenever these people leave the house, they're still performing. Only thing, visually, it is the house that is the fourth character or the fifth character that's sitting there. And what I wanted to say when I started saying this, just so I don't lose my train of thought, is... Maybe you're talking about the fact that whatever tension you were going for was actually amplified. That when you yourself sat there, it was like, well, I wanted tension, but this is crazy. Well, to be true, so many people told me that they almost couldn't stand being there for two hours. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> they were afraid that I, they would scream. And... They all stayed. We had one show where two people left in the pause. And that unfortunately was the show where just three people <laughs> were inside. So there was, <laughs> after the pause, there was that poor lonely guy sitting in the house. <laughs> <laughs> a show just for himself. Poor guy. And But they said that they wanted to leave because the tension was so high. And because... They couldn't stand um, the situation, but everybody stayed because yeah, yeah. And you, you know yeah. it also gets a little. Uh, it it becomes extra tense because when I saw the trailer, I see a sequence where the actor is right next to this person <laughs> and is talking to this person or, or like saying a dialogue, absolutely not paying attention to the film. <laughs> <and laughs> And you can there. see her body squeam <laughs> yeah. completely, and it was, I, you could, you could feel like this, this kind of. Uh, yeah, actually, I guess that was the trick that the people were so close to the audience, but the performers are not watching them at all. They are ignoring them. They are talking as if they weren't there, and you felt like, I'm just not. 
I'm just not there, actually, because they were so close and they are just watching over them. And that was the trick that I, I, I thought about, should they watch the audience? But I yeah. got that might be so pedagogical yeah, if they're yeah. watching the audience. And I thought it must be much stronger to be there, to witness everything. The story, the story is really crazy and the story is really full of um, brutality and full of... Um, conservative mindset and full of that you know mm. and craziness and i thought that it might be better to ignore them so like and putting them into the position of being there but being ignored like the junge gush the fourth figure is like he's there and he's walking behind them not knowing uh, what are they doing here? But not having the guts to do something against them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, and also, I think this this kind of, I mean, it sounds like. So you said the show runs, the piece runs for two hours. Yeah. Right. With one pause. With one pause, and how do you decide that pause? Because it sounds super exhausting. You because. What I assume is you don't also actually want your audience to <laughs> leave in the middle because they are so tense. So you give them that kind of a break, right? Like they say, okay, yes, I kept the temperature boiling, boiling, boiling. And now it's time to take a break, go outside, breathe a little bit and then come back. So the idea was um, because of two things. Actually, there is that unwritten law that after one and a half hours, you should make a pause. Okay. Then the other thing is that I wanted a formal um, change. Hmm. And I thought in the piece, I because the first part before the pause is like performative. People are telling a story and you're not quite sure who is who. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the first part, the Junge Gösch dies is okay. shot by one of those alt Nazis, unfortunately, because the alt Nazi thinks that he's a wolf. He's <laughs> not getting that. Oopsie! <laughs> now he's dead. And uh, we could have decided to pass it there. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to tell what is so brilliant in a novel, how these leftover alt Nazis are dealing with the death of that guy. Because it's so absurd. And I decided to make the pause and then make a total change. I changed the formal structure. So after the pause, there were figures for okay. the first time. And they changed the costumes a bit um, so that there were figures. And I rearranged the stage. So uh, I told, yeah, in the first part, the audience was sitting in a circle or not in a circle, in a quarter. Mm -hmm. looking at each other and the piece was playing in the middle or outside mm -hmm. or outside the house and then uh, we rearranged uh, the benches and we made them like in a church that means like watching one direction mm -hmm. there's a large hallway in the middle and mm -hmm. you're sitting on these banks out of wood it's so like in a christian church because the piece is full of Christian metaphors and of the big, like the uh, problematic uh, Christians' ideas of love and enlightenment. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, that's why for the first time we had like a stage in the stage, people mm -hmm. watching one part of the house, and that was the house where. Um, in the middle, we built an altar. Yeah. And the altar was out of lollipops. Mm -hmm. Because lollipops were the objects that we used a lot in the piece. The, mm -hmm. the guys ate it. I guess they mm -hmm. ate like 20, 25 lollipops mm -hmm. each show. And Wait, um, that's, a, that's a dental problem. You get sued <laughs> for that? I actually, I guess I offered them to um, pay teeth cleaning. <laughs> oh, really, okay. I did. Uh, <laughs> I offered it. I never paid it, but I offered it. <laughs> yeah, that's um, good enough. <laughs> yeah, but then, um, yeah. So 
that two ideas. Okay. Now I think so let's just kind of summarize this. When you say that there is a house within a house, there are four characters and the fifth character is the audience and somehow despite all the tension and all this changing of gears between the first part and the second part and all that it still is a comedy you know when you look at the trailer you're still laughing when you look at all the teaser trailers you're still laughing so th- this is a situational comedy of sorts or is that what you would yeah call what it? is situational yeah, what comedy is situational for comedy for you situational comedy for me is like when the people are playing funny stuff without showing that they are f- playing funny stuff try to be as dry as you can and doing your stuff really serious mm. but doing mm-hmm. really stupid stuff really serious that is situational comedy and for me it was really important to make that piece so funny i wanted the people to pee in their pants <laughs> while they watched that piece and i knew that i could reach that when i directed really really strict and formal because when you're making like that situational comedy yeah. and everything is so naturalistic <laughs> it will be like making fun about nazis yeah making yeah. fun about nazis you can but for me making fun about nazis needs to understand needs means to understand how the mindset of Nazis functions and that's strict and it's formal and it has a, a, a clear value system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why I thought like, okay, the form that I choose for the piece needs to represent mindset of these figures. And when I have that clear formal structure, like for example, um, they are always walking in the same direction. For example, they are always having this, They are really strict about, I take that, I take that, I take that. They are always behind each other. They are, when they are outside, they always have the same spot where they come in. Mm -hmm. And the the structure needed to be really clear. Mm. That's also a kind of repetition, actually. Yeah. So that the the text itself is not uh, lost Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or it's not... Um, or the story itself is not lost in a lot of happen happen uh, happenings yeah, events yeah, yeah. yeah? so in a lot, in a lot of the events, actually yeah. not much happens in that piece we're having like three performers talking to each other walking around walk, talking to each other again <laughs> having some beans having some beans at the at the wall and doing that with the beans like again and again and again and again but talking to each Constantly. other as if there is someone who's not allowed to listen to. Okay. Yeah. And all these pictures I um, took from, uh, I read a book, Tevelite, Männer Fantasy, and it's a really famous book and it's about, um, mm, um, it's about, diaries of uh, people from the second world war of mm-hmm. soldiers mm-hmm. Of, of soldiers of soldiers oh, great. okay i read that and they were like explaining for example how they are in war how they miss their wives how they have sexual fantasies and they in these diaries you really feel like that kind of in german it's a word it's really nice word it's called Männerbünde. Mm-hmm. it's like man under man you know man with man mm. and i took a lot of pictures from the diaries for example the three of them getting so close to each other and talking yeah. to each other they are talking about what should we eat today okay <laughs> yeah let's eat beans good as if they are in war and checking <laughs> yeah. out the strategy to get the enemy the next attack yeah. <laughs> but they're talking about what are we eating today? <laughs> okay, beans. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and taking themselves so serious. That's situation comedy. That's okay. Now, what do you think are the the 
these are the kind of uh, extents to which it can almost go from being comedy 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 to boil over and becoming the sort of tension atmosphere in a way right like mm-hmm. that's that's what it kind of starts creating i'm trying to understand I the mean, extent of sure. this device you yeah, know yeah and i'm quite sure i need to watch a lot more plays to actually formally be able to understand how you guys work yeah <laughs> or what it is that the play is doing to me or what effects because when i'm in the play i i'm immersed though. but i need yeah. to say that my fetish with stage and form like the form of the piece is represented in how the actors move on the stage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i guess that might be um my way i hope that it will be my way sometime because i still am a director who has not really found a style right but i think mm-hmm. i guess my style is that i'm i love working text directing and stage together okay but it's also not very direct you know like you just said like you you want to formalize the movement of your character is almost always as as sort of surprisingly as you can which is quite true with the, especially with Heilig Blut what we can see the thing that you said about the window um it is really odd in the trailer when you look at it that guy <laughs> poking his head out of that window and it's clear like in the trailer you can see the audience is behind him inside the house <laughs> and he's looking outside <laughs> and, he's, and looking. he's showing his his back yeah. to the audience and talking outside and also i love to play with what you are allowed to do in theater and what you're not allowed why are you so comfortable when your character shows them their back what happens why why is it not a problem because growing up we thought face the audience smile and uh, that's the form dialogues. of theater i learned yeah. <laughs> well but Project. not smile or <laughs> well i don't know when no, we no, were kids they just this, said smile there was this face the audience and project from within and these kind of rules or Yeah and there of course there will always be people who pre- appreciate that kind of theater more and um if we s- destroy these rules we start thinking about the rules itself so why don't i have a problem with it because i think um showing one's back tells some some sometimes tells more than uh showing your face while it says i would show you my back if i was allowed to <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a like it also adds to the anticipation right like especially in heilig blut people keep leaving <clears throat> the door or the house per se going in heilig blut it's not that that special at all because we are playing with what do you see and what do you hear and what you're not mm-hmm. able to see because we're showing it without you being able to see it because there's a wall that's why in heilig blut i guess that was not a a, a decision to show the back it was just like okay so we we enlarged every rule so that's not a rule at all anymore for our show because well there's not the typical space you as an audience watch yeah. because yeah. the audience needs to move all the time they need to do it like that like that because people are playing behind them people are playing in front of them at the side at the side outside where you just hear So but also the back for me showing the back it's not about showing the back it's more about turning away and mm-hmm. so if you when the audience sees the back it's not about I look at my back it's more about I don't want you to see my face now maybe that's the idea behind it for example when something touches you on the stage for when you play that something is touching you and you don't want to share your emotions you turn yourself away and why should um should i not direct it like that because that as a human being gesture is so much more power than 
telling it mm -hmm. or like finding other solutions for it. So okay. Kennst du die Geschichte von Kojo Abusi? Dem Mann, der ohne Papiere durch Berlin hetzt und als Jäger gejagter wird? Kennst du sie? In dieser Welt solche Geschichten dazu bestimmt, mit Opfern zu enden. Aber diese Welt erzeugt auch andere Geschichten. Isa versus Illegal. Oh, yeah. I think that was one of a play which received wide acclaim, one of the, your most famous pieces, perhaps. So can you tell us a little bit about Isa versus Illegal? Oh, yeah, I can. Um, Isa versus Illegal is a solo piece where my best friend and one of the most greatest performers, Miriam Mann, is performing uh, one and a half hour monologue just she a chair okay. some videos and she talking and telling a story to the audience and why is it so famous because um it's true so the special thing about her on stage is that she's not playing at all but it looks as if she's playing But okay. Miriam is really one of, she's an amazing performer, I need to say. Um, the piece is about a woman. She's playing a woman. Her name is Issa. That's why the, call, the piece is called Issa versus Illegal. And she's telling the story of her uh, friend Kojo, who mm -hmm. got killed by a racist person. And okay. she, she's telling that story out of her perspective, the perspective of Issa versus uh, Issa to the audience and um, while the piece goes on the audience realizes that it is actually the guy who killed her friend and that she will kill the audience now so it's a story about revenge okay oh wait 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 you said the audience begins to feel like the murderer yeah Ah, wow. Okay, wow. Yeah, and actually it's very interesting because I I think, again, one of the trailers that is available, there is this sequence where I think Ali is also playing a, the character, uh, is there in the He's play? Been, no, that was Illegal. And then we made a second show that call, was called Issa versus Illegal. So okay. we started with Illegal. That mm -hmm. was the story that Issa um tells later in Issa versus Illegal. Okay. Yeah. But so we're having the story and then and Amiri also plays in that piece. Yeah. Issa, she plays the same figure. And then we made like a um a second part where she tells the story again but just out of her perspective mm -hmm. and where the story is going on. Ah okay. No, and yeah. this is all based within a German um environment, right? It's based in Berlin. It's mm -hmm. based in Berlin okay. and it's based on a novel, also on a novel from Max Anders. He's a really nice author. He's writing thrillers and Illegal is a thriller. And I remember that I read the book and I gave it to Miri. Hey, can you check it out? How do you think? And she was like, the story is so good because it's about a, a guy who came to Germany to work here. Mm -hmm. And it's not, a, it's like, question of um, racism but without the idea of all those pity refugees needed to come here right to because there was war because no it was his decision to come to germany to work as a historian person as a historic history historian historian, historian. Yeah. and um pursue a kind of <coughs> a personal 
um, as a black person in Germany, you deal with racism. And we use that story, actually, that thriller about that uh, Kojo who watched someone murder some, uh, a woman mm -hmm. and trying to help that woman, but being seen there and the, the real murder ran away, but he was seen at the, next to the body. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now he is the suspicion person, of course, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. And because um, he has no German papers anymore, he needs to solve the case on him on, on himself. Um, but the police, in the same moment, is trying to catch him because they think he is the murderer of that woman. Okay. And that's the story in illegal. And at the end of illegal, that Kojo is killed. By the murder, he watched killing that woman. Mm. And in ah, Issa versus okay. Illegal, Issa is killing the murderer of Kojo, who also killed that woman. Okay. Yeah. And that, but uh, the, you see, there is this, like, uh, what I was bringing um, also a small attention to was the fact that there's Kojo in this scene, in this one scene where he is with this microphone and he is kind of shouting at the audience <laughs> or instructing the audience in a certain way you know ah, you watched the uh, the inside illegal film yeah yes. and that that performance was uh, in the rumor here in frankfurt oh. yes and um, because we got a prize for the theater and we okay. need well and while the while we got the prize we showed a uh, part of the pieces and okay that's why you see this really amazing building all these 200 people and he's with a microphone that's not the original stage okay uh -huh. i mean but it was super interesting you know because at, at this moment <laughs> yeah he shouts at he the shouts audience. at the audience and then the audience is like these bunch of people who are right there sitting <laughs> absolutely frozen not knowing what's what's coming next at them i found it why i find this interesting is because i i want to just draw like some aspects you know like so Kleiner Leuter, I saw it and I remember and we discussed the idea of the director facing and directing the audience in, in a mm -hmm. certain way. Uh, Heilige Blut, the audience sitting in the middle, the characters rotating around and uh, kind of interacting, not interacting, but putting the audience in so much tension and so much pressure. And then if I look at Isa versus illegal, or if I look at illegal, the first this part of him mm. shouting out, and then Isa versus illegal, I can only imagine because I've seen certain clips of the monologue. If there is someone giving a one and a half hour monologue, and there is an entire audience that sits directly in front of them, I can only imagine what kind of an what it would take to captivate and immerse that kind of an audience. So I, I'm I can't help but see a sort of link in the way the audience is constantly uh, I would say I wouldn't use the word manipulated but maybe but but constant captivation like there are these sort of effects or these kind of interactions that you create with the audience uh, they always are a fifth character or a fourth character in the play or in the piece and then you create this kind of a, a situation. So how do you start to conceptualize this? Or is there a way in which you've thought about it? That's so cool that you're saying that because now I understood how I work. <laughs> 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 no, really, I wasn't. I didn't know that. That of course, Hannah, each of my he really <laughs> wants that job. <laughs> he wants to work for you. Uh, yeah, you're I'm right. I'm the one that's going to no, be left. No, you're really <laughs> right about that. I always direct the audience. Shit, I didn't realize that before. But you're so right about that. The audience also always no, is part of it. <laughs> no, like, forget no, about no, the actors. Yeah. You guys are the real actors. Yeah. No, no. Now that I'm thinking about it, also in the in Klein, uh, in in Vieso, no, not so no, much. No, not so much. We are closing the fourth wall there. Okay, okay. You'd okay. say it's like you're not talking to the audience in the in. But when you say like we're closing the fourth wall, it means just like you're having your setup here and everything takes place here. But 
in each other piece, yeah, the <laughs> audience gets a, a figure, is a figure. Yeah. You're so right about that. Because also in Illegal, <laughs> uh, they are the his friends. I told the actor, when you're talking to the audience, it's like a friend you want to tell you sorry. Okay. Mm. Mm -hmm. So the tone and, and the also it's like the audience is always the outside view. So I was like, they are your friends, but they are also like watching you and not believing you if you're telling a story correct. Okay. Because in illegal, I worked with a frame. I don't know if you saw that. There was a really huge frame um, on the on this in front of the stage mm -hmm. because there was the the piece was going on behind the frame but there was one figure the bus driver mm -hmm. um who sat um on the side of the audience behind the frame and the idea was because um <clears throat> the figure is killed by being pulled in front of a bus so the idea was the figure kojo and the bus driver who killed him unfortunately because he was um, yeah, they mm -hmm. are telling the story together, and okay. he, the bus driver, is telling the story to make sure that he remembers right, and Kojo is telling the story to make sure that nobody forgets mm. that story. Okay, mm. and that was like he's talking. Oh, there, we we have a back seat, back person here again, person with the back. Ah, oh, yeah. 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 Of course. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Talking about the back to the audience. <laughs> no, but yeah. the reason the reason why I asked about the 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 idea. I of just want to like. I I just want to add. I I love. I think I have a secret fetish for people walking away from me with their back <laughs> turned to me. It's childhood trauma, something like that. So I love it when in your plays they do that. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of Let's not analyze it any further. Yeah, I was just saying. Issues. No, the reason why I spoke about the this this audience as the figure idea, you know, because when I was when I when I am part of an audience, I I know that there is some uh, something that the that the that the director would have thought of with regards to me, whether it is making me a mere spectator or considering me as a figure which is part of the show and but but you know this there is this uh, sense of uh, responsibility that if i look at a play and i am just the spectator in this like i know that there is no kind of this active uh, sort of emotion that active emotion not passive emotion active emotion that i'm mm -hmm. being asked for i take solace in knowing that i can just sit there get done and leave you know it's that's not, not the case. <laughs> it's not that's the case. not what I want so, from theater. <laughs> it, it, exactly. And that's that's exactly not the case when I saw Kleine Leute, <laughs> you know, and it kind of, it kept coming back to me and I thought I should speak to you about you, this because it was... If someone were to ask you, do, would you say all art should be like that? No. No. That would be not not my task to do that first and second uh, nothing should be like all that's why we should not talk about what all should be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but really now i know why for me that's so important i guess because i started working uh, in theater field as a dramaturg and dramaturgs always ask three questions when we start with the rehearsals why are the people on stage? Which relationship do they have to the audience? And the third I forgot. And <laughs> <laughs> for me, always the relationship to the audience is the first question that I ask myself when I'm starting to okay. love a material. Okay. And uh, yeah, and I'm, you know, it's also like just about, there's something about, feeling responsible at the end of something i'm so sorry for that. no i no <laughs> i'm trying to say i appreciate that that i get that is something that i get from that at the end when i have when i go back and i'm about to go to sleep if i'm constantly still thinking about what i just witnessed or what i just experienced i think that's a situation for me is uh 
is is winning there you know it's it it gets there into the it gets into the thing so there we go guys we hope you enjoyed the conversation that was part 2 of our conversation with hana shasna uh, please follow us on instagram at broadcast.interrupted for more links and updates on our upcoming podcasts we hope to bring you these every fortnight thanks for listening and see you guys on the next one während er ihnen hinterherlief warf er ihren hinterköpfen hasserfüllte blicke zu ohne nach rechts und links zu schauen stampfte er mit der sturheit eines subalternen befehlsempfängers der das andere überlässt sich über den sinn und zweck seines handels den kopf zusammenbrechen voran plötzlich stürmt seine dogge mit gefleckten zähnen aus dem gehöft den sie sich genähert hat